I'm coming down low by you guys today, all right? So, you, like watching that video going, man, that guy's an idiot, or you know what? It, you ever do something like that, like one of these epic trips? And uh, it could even be an epic road trip of some kind. I mean, maybe you're here and maybe you've done something where it's like, yeah, you've put like a 200, 300, in his case, 400, 500 mile bike trip in two days. I mean, I would die. My knees would just like invert and give out on themselves. You know, maybe you've run a marathon or an ultra marathon. Think of this one guy here who did an Ironman. He thought he was signing up for a half Ironman, realized it was a full and said, oh, okay. And 17 hours later dragged himself over the finish line. I mean, can you even imagine that? You ever done like an epic road trip though, like a, like a car trip? Like where you put like 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, like over the course of just a small period of time on your car. I remember once we had to help a family move from St. Louis all the way to Seattle, Washington, and they asked if we would drive their car as they drove the truck. I think of times where we decided in college going, well, let's go to Washington, D.C. today, and we were in Valpo, Indiana. Um, maybe you've just picked up and you've gone to Nebraska in a, in a heartbeat or, or somewhere else, but you know what it's like. I mean, you start off with a lot of kind of just drive, don't you? It's like exciting. There's a, even a, a fear factor maybe, but it brings an exhilaration to it. You're determined. You're clean. You're juiced. You're ready. And then when you near the end, that starts to come back, but it's the middle isn't it? That middle part of any epic trip is just like, what was I thinking? Right? It's like mile 18 in the marathon. It's when Keith, going from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin to Evansville, Indiana, which is the very southern tip of Indiana. I just got to imagine like what's going through his head when he hit like Crown Point, Indiana, up by the lake or something going, there's no turning back now. What am I doing, right? I got to believe many of you have been in the same place. There is a cliche, life is a journey. You've heard it, right? It is a cliche, but it doesn't make it less true. Life in a lot of ways is like one of these epic journeys, except instead of lasting for a couple of days or 17 hours or, or, or a week or whatever it might be, this is one that lasts the course of your entire life. And don't be surprised if the middle gets tiring. I've come to find that a relationship with God is a lot like an epic journey too. Because God is going somewhere. And what God does is he invites you to join him on his trip. Think about this for a minute. Do you ever think about God this way? Do you ever think about God as going somewhere? The way I tend to think about God, like my, my, my knee-jerk fallback, how about you, is that God is, we even know the proper terms, God is omnipresent, right? God is everywhere. 
We're so kind of accustomed to thinking of God as being ever-present, all-present, everywhere, that we tend to think of God as being in a static state, that wherever we're at, we'll find God there. Wherever we're going, God will be there. That God really isn't someone to be followed or pursued. But this is not really the best analogy to use. Because when I read the Bible, I see something different. While God can be found everywhere, the message of the Bible is that God can be found in greater presences or greater forms or in greater, can I use the word, concentrations. And that that super presence of God, if you will, is something that's on the move. I think of Jesus, who when he walked this world, wasn't found everywhere, but was constantly on the move. And people would seek him and run after him and follow him to be where he is at. I got news for you. God's spirit is still on the move today. He's going somewhere. He's on a trip. He is going around this world for his own purposes, seeking to bring his kingdom to this place, and he invites you to join him on that trip. Let me show you how Jesus himself will put this. John 3, we all know the 16 part, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Everlasting or eternal life, depending on your translational preference. But he says some fascinating things right before he gives this famous passage of all time. And let me cue this up to you. Jesus says in John 3, The Spirit blows wherever it pleases. And it doesn't mean he's up in heaven going, blowing on people. It means he's blowing around like the wind. You know what I mean? He's moving. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where, and let me substitute the word it with he, where he comes from or where he is going, which seems to imply something. If you don't know where he comes from, it implies he wasn't here before, he was there before. And if you don't know where he's going, it implies he won't be here shortly, he's going somewhere else. The spirit blows, God's spirit blows wherever it pleases. God is on a trip. And good luck if you can ever figure out what that trip is about. God has his own agenda, his own itinerary. You know, he sat down with his travel agent and got his own hot spots laid out. However this is working in the counsel of God, I don't know. But I do know this. Jesus says he's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. And he wants you to join him. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Because above all things, God wants you to be reborn. To be born from above. Born of the Spirit, as the Bible will put it. And those who are born of the Spirit are on a road trip with God. That God is on the move. And he is inviting you to go on that trip with him. And I want you to just pause there because 
dang. I mean, I, I think of some of the road trips that I've been on. And I think about how if I could do it over again, there are certain people I would not road trip with. Right? You, you know this, right? Like, you're planning a vacation, and you want to go on it with friends. You know there are certain friends that you are not going to invite on this vacation with you, right? How much more these road trips that we take, I mean, think about this kind of thing. There's those people that are just like utterly high maintenance. That you know if they go on this trip with you, it's more about taking care of them and their needs and speaking into their fragile emotional state, which could either lead to meltdown or anger or whatever it's going to be than actually enjoying the trip. And the whole time you're kind of like in this like tense mode. You're in this like high anxious mode of going, don't open up the wrong conversation. Don't stop at the wrong time. Don't go to the wrong restaurant. I hope the hotel's okay because if the mint isn't on the pillow in the right direction, oh my God, you know what I mean. You have people in your family like this, don't you? Raise your hand if you know someone like this. Now look around and if someone didn't raise their hand, know that they are that person. There's those kinds of people that turn a five-hour trip into a 12-hour one. They have to stop at every roadside attraction because when is the last time we've seen the biggest ball of yarn? Every ice cream stand, every little thing along the way, and you're like, can we just get there already? Or on the flip side, there's those other people that you feel like they're the jockey and you're the horse. They're whipping you, whipping you. Can't we go faster? Can't we get... I'm like doing 30 over the limit already. You you know, there's no stopping. There's no doing everything because we got to make record time. This is like NASCAR, baby. You know, there's those people who can't drive for more than 45 minutes without stopping to use the bathroom. There's those people who stink. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally stink. And they think it's appropriate to take their shoes off in the car and put it on your dash. You know these people. We all know people like this. But you know what I've kind of come to discover? And, and there's this thing we call the human experience. The reality is all of us are these kinds of people to at least someone else in this world. See, we all think we have got the right way to travel. But I guarantee you, there is someone in your circle, in your family, a friend, or it used to be one, who thinks of you like this. All of us can be bad road trip people. How much more with God? Do you think God wants people like us bogging down his trip? I mean, if you're God, do you want to be limited? Are are you with me? Really? Are you still whining? Are we there yet? You know what I mean? But God invites you to go on a road trip with him. I'm not talking a trip that lasts like three days or a week. I'm talking about a trip over the course 
of your whole life. But he says, yeah, I want to travel with you. Better, I want you to travel with me. God invites you to road trip with him. There's a picture that I came across that just kind of like does this for me. (laughs) It's like God is on this epic hippie bus, you know? And wherever you're at, hey, brother, need a lift? Hop on in. Because no matter who you are, where you're at on the journey, how high or low maintenance you might think you are, how bad you stink, oh, I guarantee. God has a space for you. He'll find room on the epic journey, man, <laughs> to destiny. God wants to road trip with you. And the ancients had a word for this. They called it pilgrimage. They would talk about a pilgrimage of life. This pilgrimage that all of us are on. That life is a journey. That from the moment you draw breath, dare I say from the moment you are conceived, to the time you give up that final breath, God is inviting you on a journey. I know some of you feel stuck. You don't feel like you're going anywhere. You don't feel like there's that much different. You're kind of bored. You're kind of stale. You're kind of down. You're kind of in, you don't know where it's even going. Some of you feel like it's spinning out of control. Like it's moving so fast that you can't keep control of it. And there's a fear factor that sets in because you don't know where this is taking you. Yeah, I get it, but God's at the wheel. And he's inviting you on this journey, this pilgrimage to go with him. And just so this isn't confused, what I am not indicating today is that life is a journey of getting through this landscape until we get to our heavenly home. Meaning, we travel now as sojourners or, wanderness or, or, will, or, 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 or wanderers in the wilderness of this world until we come to heaven where we belong. No, no, that's not what I mean at all. What I am saying is here on terra firma, God is on the move. And he's seeking to bring his kingdom here in different times and different places and different ways. He is going somewhere for his purposes and towards his end and wants you to be a part of that journey while you're here. And it's easy to forget that, isn't it? Because, like, I own a house. I think of myself as rooted. I have a job. My wife has a job. My kids are in a school. We're committed to a panoply of different things. I don't feel like I am upwardly mobile at all. I don't feel 
like life is a journey. I don't feel often like I am going anywhere. Better put, I often feel more the opposite. I feel settled, planted, rooted. And my guess is, except for those of you who are maybe in college, maybe in transitionary living right now or things like that, my guess is the same is true for many of you. See, what I'm not indicating by this, as life is a journey, that you literally need to get in a literal hippie bus. No, life is a journey whether you are planted or not. Some of the most upwardly mobile people I have ever met are some of the least journeying people with God in existence. And some of the most planted people I have ever met are nonetheless on some of the biggest spiritual adventures and journeys with God. Regardless, no, we're not talking about selling all you have to move to Uganda. Though that may be in the cards for you. That's not, though, what I mean. It means God is doing something in you, around you, and calling you to it. God wants you to be a part of it and his way of journeying and wants you to be on that wherever you live. And I, for one, need reminders of that. Because I get up and I get dressed and I take a shower or I go work out and I make breakfast and you get the kids to school and I go to work and I come home from work, and we make dinner, we watch some TV, we catch up on the day, Tuesday, repeat. Wednesday, repeat. Thursday, repeat. Friday, you get what I mean. Life doesn't always feel like a journey. But it is. God is going someplace, and he's trying to take you too. He wants you to be a part of that. But it's easy to forget. And so we need reminders. I want to show you this passage. I'll get back to that one. I want to show you that one. In Deuteronomy 16, it says three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Embedded in the Old Testament law is this call by God through Moses to the people of Israel that wherever they live, they need to travel to a specific place three times a year. And he stipulates them here. Three festivals, three holidays, feasts, as they were called, within their calendar. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which really kind of started with what we call Palm Sunday. The Feast of Weeks, which was what we would attach to something called Pentecost. And the Feast of Tabernacles, which is completely free-floating if I was to mention any kind of uh, attachment to you, but it takes place in the fall. We'll leave it at that. Three times a year, you got a journey. Okay, imagine that. Imagine living that way. 
Imagine living in such a way that God had laid a mandate on you that said three times a year you need to travel to a place that I will choose. What's the first question that comes to mind? Where? Where are you going to choose? Okay, and like straight up, if, if you're living in Woodstock, aren't you like hoping it's in Woodstock? You know, if you're living in Hebron, aren't you praying? Well, no one prays for anything in Hebron, but aren't you praying for like Lake Geneva or Richmond or something like that? Right? But what if you live in McHenry and he says it's Evansville, Indiana? Oh, no, by the way, we live in a time before cars or planes, not even bikes. So walk that sucker three times a year. How much was it actually practiced? I don't know. I know this. God commands all kinds of things that people love to ignore or forget. Did people actually do it? To what degree, I don't know. But the Bible is filled with certain pictures of times that they had. One of these is the day we call Palm Sunday. You know this day? In about one, two, three, four weeks from today, we hit Easter. But the week before that is a day that in Christian circles have been called Palm Sunday. Why is that? We weigh palms on that day. And why is that? Because it was a festival a feast, a celebration from the ancient times when people were doing this. At the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, well, God had chosen a place, Jerusalem. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way there. But the word got out. And people wanting to be where God was at, other people wanting to follow this reminder, were gathering there. Scholars will estimate that a city of 30,000 people would swell to over 500,000 people at the Feast of Weeks or at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it's kickoff kind of pregame, I guess we can say, at Palm Sunday. Imagine what it would be like Have you ever been to New Orleans at Mardi Gras? It's about the closest analogy that I can wrap my mind around. Or maybe it's this. Think of like going downtown. Or think of going to like maybe Arlington Racetrack. Or think of some of the places on the 4th of July that you gather. Where thousands and thousands, if not millions of people gather. It's a party. It's an experience. It's a frenzy. It's chaotic, but chaos bent with a positive kind of way. Think about what it was like and what this journey was meant to be was a reminder that God was going somewhere. And so walk, get on the move. Literally practice going somewhere to to remember that your life is a journey with God because the God whom you Follow is trying to take you somewhere in this world. And it was a party. It was an experience. 
it was a frenzy. It was often filled with chaos, but chaos towards a positive bend. Guys, I got to be straight. I kind of find journeying with God is often like that. Don't we think of God as being stayed and stable, which is just a kind way of saying stale. Don't you think of God as being, well, he's always the same. God never changes yesterday, today, or forever. What I have found is that there is no telling what God will ask you to do. No telling where God will bring you. No telling what God is up to. It is like traveling with the craziest of friends you could imagine. Have you ever had one of those road trips where it's like you're in that car and you're like, oh my gosh, and you don't know if you're going to be arrested by the end of this thing or what's going to happen to you? Welcome to a journey with God. Don't believe me? Search the scriptures. I am not going to unlay them all before you today. Mind them and look at what the journey of God is like and what it's like for those who have dared to journey with him. In our membership covenant here at Fellowship of Faith, we've got a paragraph I want to share with you. For us, it really kind of defines some of the, the seed beds or, or you know, the, the rock beds of discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does the discipled like life look like? And this is what we say. We believe the only way to truly discovering the depths of what God is calling us to do is by stepping out of our comfort zones and taking leaps of faith. Following him is extreme. And the life of faith is an adventure. It is a journey. A journey of discovering and rediscovering deeper life with him every day. Oh, the spirit blows wherever it pleases. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going, but it invites you to be a part of it. And there's no telling where God is going to bring you. There's this amazing passage out of Hebrews 11. You've heard of the Hall of Fame, right? This is often called the Hall of Faith. It's this litany of people who dared to journey with God. Let me read it to you today. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, He made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man and He, though as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. 
if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And the heavenly country it's talking about is not leaving this world to go to heaven. No, it is the kingdom of God coming here, and God inviting you to go to that place. Like Abraham was called from here to go to there. Where is God calling you? Where is God calling you? For those of you who live in McHenry, where is God calling you in McHenry? For those of you in a home with a family, where is God calling you in that home with your family? For those of you with a relationship with God, where is God calling you in that relationship with God? For those of you who are standing on the street corners while God's hippie bus is driving by, where is God calling you to hop on? Life with God is a pilgrimage. It's journey. And the quicker that we wrap our minds around those kinds of things, man, the quicker we start to discover the adventure, the joy the uncertainty and the fear and the exhilaration and the growth and the intimacy and the, I don't even know how to describe it. The, oh my God. That's the result of daring to travel with him. Look how this whole thing ends. It says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Where are you going, Jesus? <laughs> I'm committed. I'm on the trip with you. That's what the life of an expatriate of the kingdom of God is like. It's easy to get planted. It's easy to kind of think that we've arrived in our faith. No relationship with God, it's always going somewhere. And the question is, are you going to go with God in that? Or wake up and realize that you stopped traveling? You've been left behind. For those of you who fear that you've been left behind, God's hippie bus is circling again. Hop back on. Get back on the wagon. And keep the journey going with him. So let's commune. As Chris comes up, like to just pray for a moment. Pray to get us kind of heart set and mindset in this thing. Here's just what I want you to do. I just want you to pray, Lord, where are you going? And where are you calling me to? Dear God, give me the courage and strength to hop on. That's the prayer. Meet him 
in that place. So God, we come. We gather before you. May we dare to journey with you. For those here who think, how God could you ever want to journey with someone like me? May your word come forth. Yes, I do. Love you. Get in the car. Let's go. For those who have grown weary in the middle part, Lord, I change focus. Forgive us. Oh, God, we want to be with you. Yeah, we do. For those of us who have never gotten on that bus and are afraid to because it's weird looking with a bunch of freaks inside, oh, God, make your call extra clear. May we see beyond the surface to the true nature. How compelling. Mm, Lord. As we share this journey together, bring joy in the journey, excitement, fun, and then the unpredictability. May there be adventure in it. Because, Lord, there's incredible things you want to you do in this world. You want us to be a part of. Man, Lord. 